Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London This Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. Back with me for another midweek pod are Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, thank you for joining all of our listeners because we need to talk about Chelsea's big win against Manchester City as the title race kind of heated up and then cooled down, Dan. I mean, how about those three points? It's, uh, it feels good. It feels pretty, pretty good. I mean, Nick, I know that the afternoons are difficult, but thankfully there's the YouTube highlights and NBC's replay. But at the end of the day, we make sacrifices to watch Chelsea. You make sacrifices for the ones you love, you know? And, and that's the real point here is we all figure out a way and in our tiny little work bubbles in the middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday uh, to figure out how to make this this whole thing come together. It's really shocked at how quickly you recovered from your food poisoning, Nick. I'll tell you what, it was rough there for, I would say, the better part of 90 minutes plus stoppage time. It was 
pretty pretty terrible just to avoid that chinese takeaway moving forward life lessons thank you chelsea all right we do have one itunes review we know it was a short turnaround so there's no reason to get upset for only having one dan um whose turn is it mr itunes well, I, I think it's actually your turn, Brandon. All right. Well, you know what? You you you, uh, you staged yourself up there. One is easy, so I'd be happy to take this burden. The fourth Bash brother dropping the five-star review says it's a great podcast. Sir, thank you for listening to us, even though we're Americans. We appreciate that. All right, guys, real quick message from XL Tours, and then we're jumping right into Man City. Here we go. Hey Dan, uh, are you excited to go to to London and uh, and and maybe watch a, a Chelsea match? Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm pretty stoked, and uh, I think it's been really cool to kind of work with XL Tours uh, with our podcast trip that we're going to be taking over there. As it stands right now, we got nine people who are going to be joining us over there, and uh, signups close up in about nine days. So it's uh, April 5th right now. Uh, April 14th is the last day. It's deadline day. You know, it's it's our transfer window deadline to <laughs> come in and be a part of a really great trip and experience with us in XL Tours. Uh, it's really really awesome yeah i would say that we would stand outside of a stadium doing some sort of live update on on deadline day but that will not be the case uh but still uh we are we are very excited we're very thankful to xl tours for helping us set this whole thing up and uh excited to kind of watch the run in as chelsea uh go for the title so if you haven't been to our website london is blue all the details are there the sign up link and everything if you're at all interested and have questions email us tweet us whatever you have to do and we will get those answered so you can make it happen all right well just a really quick shout out for those of you who cannot go but are interested fill out the form below the registration button you will be added to our email list so when we are planning our trip for next year you will be one of the first to know all right we got to dig in here manchester city a huge match coming off that crystal palace loss chelsea's lead only down to seven that's right guys only seven points but you know what there was a threat of going down to four if tottenham could beat the mighty swansea city so as we review it man city premier league match at stanford bridge this past wednesday april 5th in case you missed it blues two citizens one dan lineup time before the match antonio conte had hinted that moses wasn't going to be there and sure enough he wasn't but he changed it up from palace yeah, we saw a couple of changes, actually. We saw uh, Zuma get the, the rust kind of knocked off the shoulders there with Luis and Cahill in the back line, keeping the, the, the gates locked down in front of Tibor Courtois. You saw Azpilicueta, uh, Fabregas, Conte, and Alonso. So Azpilicueta moves forward into that right wing back spot, but he wouldn't be there the entire match. And then you saw uh, Pedro, Hazard, and Costa uh, you know, up top. We also had a chance to see William come in, Matic come in, and then a, a minute for Ruben or minute for RLC at the uh, the very very end there. So um, and not only us, but you saw a couple of lineup changes for City too. You saw Vincent Company come in. That was only his third start of the Premier League season so far. Uh, and then you saw Fabian Delth, who I think it was his fifth overall appearance uh, or start for Man City this season. So uh, on both sides, not just for Chelsea but also for City, a lot of changes in the lineups. 
really surprised to see companies starting. We had even talked about Otamendi and Stones being back there, but that just wasn't the case, Nick. You know, Chelsea only 40% possession today at home, which is unusually low. But I think other than that, you know, they were they're pretty competitive as far as the team went. We know there was a switch at halftime. We'll get into that. But your initial reactions on that lineup, even on both. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't that surprised. I guess uh, when I looked at the matchup today and just kind of thinking back to the to the first match against City, I would have personally went with William over Pedro. I think that Pedro played a really good game, but William possesses an extra gear uh, going forward that I think would have been useful for more than twenty minutes. Um, but hey, that's why I'm not the manager. Uh, I think overall, when you look at these stats, Brandon, it, it's a little it's a little dire, but. This is why stats are only part of the entire, uh, you know, kind of look at the entire match because we dominated Crystal Palace. You know, we talked at length about statistical dominance against Palace, and yet we didn't get the the second goal or third goal that we needed to beat them. Today, the statistical dominance was largely on City's side, but we're kind of backs against the wall had a penalty and and got the got the result we needed so uh it's it's a weird football is a weird game but sometimes uh the the better team does not win i mean if you had this kind of conversion last weekend against palace again we're talking four goals so let's go ahead and talk about the goals that did happen kicking it off in the 10th minute another strong start from chelsea thanks to a dazzling run starting at the halfway line from edin hazard who well he shot it off company's forehead and it beat Willie Caballero, Nick. I mean, at first glance, it looked like Caballero just gave in a really soft goal. But instead, we found out Hazard using that Belgium connection to his advantage. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a, uh, you know, I don't think you'd say he did that on purpose, but it was a uh, it was a good passing movement. I think uh, that's what I loved from this first goal. Uh, lots of space in the box, uh, lots of. Uh, good looks and it was uh, a little bit different from the the palace match last weekend because um diego was pulling um stones out wide which gave uh hazard a little bit more space and he uh, he took advantage and, and scored his first goal and or scored the first goal and and i think was just dominant in the first half I think also a credit to Azpilicueta, too, for the run in there, kind of being set up by Pedro. And this and really nice interchange, uh, getting the space necessary to then play in Hazard. All right, 26th minute, Courtois either tried to be too clever or changed his mind halfway through the swinging motion because the end result was a nice friendly chip to David Silva on the top of the box, whose shot was deflected. Well, I guess saved right to Aguero, eight yards out. Middle of the goal, simple tap in for him there, Dan. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, many players would have missed the opportunity there. So uh, whether it was Aguero, whether it was Silva, Sané, KDB, uh, maybe he would have hit the word work, but everyone else, uh, you know, really uh, anyone would have scored that goal. And uh, I think there's no way the goalkeepers union can defend this one, Brandon. Uh, one, John Stones missed it later in the match. Two, who's KDB? <laughs> KDB? Brian. No, yeah, he Bruin. didn't play today. I don't. I didn't see him. Oh, ghosting well, him? You're going to ghost him on the yeah, show like that? I, I, oh. I, I can assure you, he he did get substituted. So, uh, First time for everything. 
All right. 79 uh, minutes substitution. Third goal First of this early. match. No, 30. no, no, no. We're we're not we're not moving on from the howler like that quickly. No, I'm sorry. I got so mad in our text group. Like that to me uh, was the epitome of Chelsea trying to be a little bit too cute, a little bit too city, playing everything out the back. City were high pressing a lot of that first half, and I think that was just uh, a tactical mistake from Courtois to try and play it direct like that. I mean, I you're looking at four city players kind of converging on space like that. And I, I just don't think that's a mistake you can make. You have to boot it long, even though it's not the most effective uh, tactic you can use. Okay. Fair play. I would, you know, I was going to bring this up later in the anything else part, but you know, <laughs> I do think that, you know, absolutely Courtois made a mistake. Now the big difference is, was he able to bounce back and still be composed and not have a howler of an entire game? And I thought he did. He made a few great saves throughout the rest of the match to keep Chelsea in it and in the lead. So I think that, yes, blame can be placed, but he did a really good job of that short-term memory mentality and being able to play the rest of the game at a very high level. So you're right, not a great moment. This is definitely last year's Courtois in goal. Yeah, I would say I would say too though, really quickly that had we not and and look, a, a mistake can happen to anyone. I mean, Gary Cahill has bounced back from what I I would say is way worse than what Courtois did today. Um, it, I think it brought City back into a game in which they were being kind of taken out of at that point, which was a little unfortunate because I thought Chelsea were the better team. And then after the the goal, it was almost like City flipped the switch again and we're like, all right, we're back on level terms. And they dominated the rest of the half as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I'd agree with that for sure. I, Chelsea were controlling. That definitely gave them the lifeline. And not only did they ride it through the end of the first half, uh, I mean, there was long spells in the second half where we even tweeted like, it's looking like City are going to be the next ones to score. But thankfully, they didn't. In the 35th minute, it was Chelsea. Pedro was still at his attacking role, and he was able to dribble at Fernandinho in the box, put it through his legs, and then was taken down for the penalty. Now, again, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Hazard as the penalty kick taker. He did step up, had his first shot saved, but his second shot went in, and it was very, very clever shot to put it back where Caballero came from, Nick, instead of maybe trying to put it right down the middle or even to the far post. Nervy yeah, I think, moments. Yeah, it was it was very reminiscent of his penalty that beat Crystal Palace in our in our fourteen fifteen uh title winning season, you know, where he, he just glancing it was a glancing header back to him and he headed it in, did the whole wipe the brow thing. Uh that was pretty nervy, and I think we'll we'll get into the penalty situation later, but he's now four of six in his last six, so I mean, he's shooting all right, but I mean, not not a great first penalty at all. All right. Well, let's dive into the questions now. So for the second game running, the big talking point going into this match was about not having Victor Moses. Conte tried to put Pedro at right wing back against Palace, but apparently he was not thrilled with the results because he switched to Aspie at right wing back and Zuma at right center back, Dan. How do you think they did since that formation only lasted 45 minutes? You know, I, I think 
that to me speaks a little bit more to uh, Zuma's overall performance more so than Azpilicueta and Pedro. Because I actually think Azpilicueta, uh, especially on the goal, did a really nice job with some of those movements. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely had a lot of work to do with, you know, Sané coming up and down the sides. And there was even one point where I think Azpilicueta got a little frustrated that Pedro was coming back to, uh, you know, made a tackle, you know, kind of gave up a foul on Sané for the, you know, you know, for kind of his push down and kind of gave away that free kick. But uh, I, I actually think they both, you know, I think Azpilicueta did really well. I think Zuma looked a, a little rusty, you know, kind of playing playing some back passes, not necessarily always moving the ball forward. Uh, but you have to remember he hasn't played anywhere near the amount of minutes, you know, he played in his first season kind of for us as a, as a you know, quote-unquote starter. So uh, it was very cool to see him back. You know, he definitely uh, just looked a little, I think, out of pace occasionally. Well, Nisar Kinsella, our former guest from last week, tweeted after the match that Conte said he was unhappy with the first half. Quote, says Chelsea were unbalanced, end quote. He ex- then went on to explain that Modic on for Zuma was tactical, not necessarily saying it was because of Zuma's poor play. Um, and then at Chelsea, Eric underscore says, how do we solve the Moses problem? Don't think Conte has been happy with his last two attempts. I mean, Nick, did you feel the midfield perform better with Zumi Aspie combo or in the second half when Pedro was back there and Modic was in the midfield? Um, God, that's a tough one. Or like, what um, do you think was the better of the two options since we had 45 minutes to see both? I feel way more comfortable personally with SP and Zuma. Um, just because, uh, you know, against a really tough opposition and, and city squad is as talented, probably the most talented squad in the premier league, I would say, um, I feel like Dave has a way better sense of positioning and he can cross the ball too. Like everyone uh, I think has forgotten that Dave played left back for three years and is a right footed player. I mean, he's a right footed player and he can cross the ball. Um, I, I just don't trust Pedro defensively and I like Pedro. I think he obviously won us the game by winning a penalty today. Uh, and I think he had a really good performance was high energy the entire game, but I give me give me Aspi and Zuma. Um and look, I I also want to say this about Zuma because I feel like you know people are are kind of overreacting to his being subbed at halftime. Uh I think that was more of a Cesc Fabregas solution than it was for Zuma. I, I, I think I hundred percent agree with that. I think you're spot on, Nick. Yeah, I don't I don't think that Zuma played that bad. And I actually feel like Courtois put him in a couple of uncomfortable positions with some of the distribution. He handled it well, was great in the air. Uh, You know, it's just one of those things. It's a tough opponent to come back into. And uh, Fabregas, I think, was getting outrun in the midfield uh, when they went on that charge late in the first half. And I think Conte had kind of seen enough and wanted a bigger body in in the midfield kind of solidify that, put Dave back, bring Pedro in. It's it's all about a balance thing. And and so he felt way more comfortable with attacking wings and a solid center than he did kind of the inverse of that. I know that um, a couple of people were still unhappy with Pedro as a wing back. Ashish Pillai on Facebook is questioning this. Why does Antonio persist with Pedro as a wing back? Pedro's distribution was all over the place. He had misplaced passes, broke down a number of counterattacking chances. 
I think everyone can agree we do not have depth at the wingback slots. I think we're okay at the left. Like Ake can fill in. At least he's defensive in that sense. But especially on the right side, this just goes to show not a lot of depth right now. On the challenge there too, and we covered this on the last podcast when we were talking to Nazar about you know who ends up running the most in a lot of the games, and it tends to be Victor Moses, it tends to be Alonzo, uh, it tends to be people that are playing these wingback positions, and ultimately one thing that Pedro has sometimes when he doesn't have anything else is he is one pacey dude, and he can make it up and down the flanks very, very quickly, and so I think it's more about the fact that he's a very... I think astute footballer from understanding position and understanding pace. And he is playing out of position and I think he's doing so admirably, but it is absolutely a bandaid for it. It's, it's basically, we are kind of trying to hold on as, as tightly as we can to any victory we can get until we put Victor Moses back there, uh, which I think will help anyone sleep easier moving forward. Well, and look, what, what I think we're missing here is like, I think people are so quick to uh, look at what's missing, but what's missing is a terrific footballer in Victor Moses and someone who, you know, we, we've praised all year. We praised all year. We praised all year. Like when, when one of your most important players, I don't think he's one of our best players overall skill wise, but one of our most important players, the only guy who can play that position the way Antonio Conte wants it played right now is missing. There's going to be a hole. And so when I looked at, uh, you know, someone like William who kind of, I think him and Pedro did a little bit of switching when, when he came on, um, I, that made me feel a little bit better because I think William's a little tougher defensively and, and has a better ability Dan to track back uh, than maybe Pedro does, even though Pedro is all effort all the time. Um, I, I feel more comfortable even with with William in that position uh, than than Pedro. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think ultimately William offers a, a little bit of a bigger body, a little bit more muscle. Whereas you know when you had a chance then to see Pedro again moving forward, I, I think that combination of Asplacleta William. And Pedro as a lineup back to front makes more sense to me from a kind of a stability standpoint. But, you know, at some point we also have to understand like what, what is Zuma going to continue to offer when you look at the type of talent we have, you know, on our bench currently out there in the market and then from our loan system. So I think, you know, all things have to be factored in. Uh, but A, great to see Zuma back. Uh, B, thank you, Pedro, for doing uh, an admirable effort uh, while subbing in for the talented Victor Moses. The dude played two different positions today uh, and just worked his absolute socks off, as we Americans would say. Question number two, though. Diego Costa's form has started to concern some fans, Dan. I know Diego can add a lot of value off the ball, but today I thought he didn't really look like he was trying to get involved in the play. It's not like City's backline or bullies, you know, like a Stoke. And I thought after seeing company on the starting lineup sheet that maybe Diego would be excited to run at him and also the, for most part, inexperienced Stones. Yeah, I mean, if you were judging it by the, you know, 
the form that Diego should be on, uh, you can say that after this match, you know, the value of Stones and company actually should both be on the rise, given uh, how easily they they really snuffed Costa out in the match. And you know, I think partially, you know, that was the way that they they really were kind of marking on him. He didn't have a, a ton of free space at any given point. Um, but you know, when he, he did have the ball near him, he definitely didn't do a whole lot to you know create a chance or create a great opportunity. And I think that you know we're seeing you know big game Hazard uh, kind of come to life. He's really creating this narrative structure around him that you know he, when it is a big game and when it is a big stage, he's going to come uh, and do you right. And Diego has kind of started to to, to flicker out. And I think it's uh, it's a little sad. You know, he's stuck at you know 49 goals. I'd love to see him kind of get that 50th there, but. You know, Stones really did a number on him today. And I think that was probably the the weirder thing is, you know, we look at someone who this club was looking to sign, you know, didn't want to kind of meet the valuation for him, really has had trouble, I think, the entirety of the season. And, and you know, Diego Costa made him look really good today. Nick, I'm guessing that I don't really need to tee you up on Costa's performance, but since you asked, um, huh. Eric... At underscore, or I'm sorry, at Chelsea Eric underscore says that strikers are all about being judged on the goals they score. And so the first half of the season, you know, August to December, uh, Diego Costa had 17 goals, five assists, and 24 appearances, and that's all competitions. Now, the second half of the season, January to today, he has five goals, zero assists, and 14 appearances in all competitions. Yeah, um, I, I can't defend him today. Uh, I th- I thought that in the first half he was, you know, I, I remember one counterattack where he, instead of running past uh, Fabian Delph, he grabbed him and threw him to the ground and got a foul that stopped our counterattack. And yeah. I was like, why? It was weird. What's, what's the point of that? Like, you you're, you were going to beat him. He was looking back at you as you were on his side and and you grabbed him and and took him down. And like, that's the kind of stuff that makes me nuts with him because I'm like, well, I just don't understand what goal you're trying to achieve with that. But uh, that's besides the point. I I don't think he was involved today at all. Whereas whereas against Palace, he did have some opportunities and, and genuinely I thought he was. Uh, you know, trying to occupy center backs and like, you know, Palace has a big back line. So, you know, that's a tough job for one guy to do. But, uh, you know, against City and their, you know, really leaky defense, I, I thought that he uh, did nothing. He offered very little and Hazard basically had to do it on his own today, which is not a recipe that I think is sustainable for the next nine matches or eight. So at ZA Watson, says that Costa looked off the pace again today. He says that he thinks that Costa's not the same player since the China talk, Dan. Are you concerned that maybe he's just not really committed? I mean, he's came out publicly and said, I told Antonio I wanted to leave at the beginning of the season, and it really hasn't gotten much better every transfer window since he's been here. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I think ultimately, you know, you look at what he's, you know, done for the club this season and, you know, the past few seasons and 17 goals, you know, number four right now overall in the the Premier League for goals added. Like, so, you know, his impact this season, uh, you know, it would be a very different 
set of performances for some of the goals that he's been able to really muscle through in key situations. Uh, but I think it, it is something that is, is now becoming a pressing concern. And every match that we get closer to the end of the season that he goes without scoring a goal or with flare up or with incident, uh, you know, thankfully he didn't pick up a, you know, another yellow card today because that would have put him, um, you know, one card away from potential, you know, two game suspension for card accumulation that resets after Saturday. Uh, so he should be in a good position to to avoid that. It's you know it's just a, a terrible narrative to have on top of all the great stuff that's going on, and you you hope that you know he can get it figured out. Um, you know, maybe the season's taking too much of a toll on him. I'm not sure, but I, I really hope we can get it squared away because when he's on form, he is one of the most dominant strikers, you know, not just in the Premier League, but in the world. And it'd be really unfortunate to see him leave and to see him then be successful someplace else. Um, you know, I, I don't think we as a club want to see ourselves be haunted by players' pasts. Uh, we're, we're too big of a club for that. Yeah, I would also say, too, really quickly, did you guys see the apparent incident that's on the back pages in, in, uh, in England right now? Yeah, so this is obviously the biggest talking point from Chelsea essentially securing the title, like, is definitely Costa getting tripped up with company and then sticking his leg out to trip him. Yeah, so it looks... Uh, you know, in real time, I didn't even notice it, um, but apparently some cameras kind of caught it, slowed it down, you know, all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 blah. But this is the kind of thing, man, when he's not in the game, he just finds all sorts of mischief to get into. And I, I don't know what the answer is. You know, you would think of all the days to be off your be off your game, not think about you know, doing silly shit. You would think a city at home with a lot of the title on the line, let's be honest, a big match, a lot of people are nervous for. Today's the day you show up and shut everybody up. You know, I am one of the best strikers in the world. I'm going to get a goal. I'm going to help my team. I'm going to be this decisive factor. I That's why I'm, I, I, he drives me nuts sometimes. I'm like, mentally, that's where like everybody should be. That's where Hazard was. And we've accused Hazard of, of just fading away at times. Like, it, it's so strange to me. I don't I don't get it. So, I honestly, company didn't really react, like, violently. Yeah, he caught him in the knee, but really he was just trying to trip him, in my opinion. Like, this only came about once Howard Webb stuck his head out of that truck outside the stadium. I think that he's just trying to get involved in the punditry side of this match, and that's the only thing he had to talk about. The penalty was clear-cut. There was no other incidents. Like, honestly, that's where I stand on this, is that Howard Webb is just looking to throw something out there, and for whatever reason, the Sun decided to make that their headline, which, to me is is kind of lazy because there were so many other things that happened from a pep you know not losing to the same team twice in one season you know antonio conte and pep calling each other the best manager in the world and then you have chelsea coming off a loss to defending their seven point lead against uh, an alleged title rival and they go with that um i just that 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 surprised me you're you're right. You're a hundred percent right. I mean, it was an innocuous incident. I would be I'd be shocked if there was uh, retribution after the fact from from the FA. But it's still uh, from a mentality standpoint, it worries me about Diego. Yeah. It does. 
Yeah, petulant, petulant Diego behavior. Um, but when it's not going well, uh, we're we're kind of seeing the old Diego because it's not roses right now. But let's go ahead and continue to touch on Eden Hazard in our third question. Uh, he absolutely backpacked the team tonight. Everything positive going forward, with the exception of Pedro's penalty, went through Eden. How similar do you think he's playing right now compared to his player of the year performance back in the 2014-15 season, Dan? Uh, I think he is playing at a similar level or if not better in a couple of, of key categories, you know, and you look at the fact he's scored 13 goals so far this season. Um, you know, he, he's just been dominant. And I think you know, the stat I saw is that he's scored, you know, six goals this season across teams in the top seven. And, you know, he is, you know, truly, I think, evolving into that big game player. And you look at the comments that, you know, Michael Ballack had this week about, you know, would Hazard potentially survive survive in a Real Madrid situation, the pressure kind of gets turned up a little bit. You know, you're, you're competing for positions versus being guaranteed a starting position. You know, would he be able to kind of thrive in that environment? I think Eden is creating his own environment to thrive in. And you just look towards what potentially could happen in summer adding two or three additional pieces to, you know, this young player who's really still finding his form and growing and evolving. And it is is nasty it is the is incredible to think about and i don't know like it, it it's another goosebumps performance it was fantastic nick do you think hazard is going to be the difference between chelsea holding on to first place or dropping out of that pole position from here on out dan mentioned since january he's got four goals and three assists in 12 games he, you know, it looks right now to me like he's the the horse that we're going to have to ride, um, you know, to, to get there. I mean, it, when you think about his performance against Arsenal, which, you know, was a key moment in the season, um, you know, you think about his performance against Manchester United earlier in the season. You think about, uh, you know, the way he played against Tottenham twice this year and, you know all the other big games that we played. You know, City in the uh, in in Manchester. You know, I I wouldn't have called him a big game player last year, um, but I certainly think that he has taken it upon himself this year to prove it. He's doing that, uh, and and certainly was the dominant figure today. I mean, you know, I didn't before he got his penalty. You know, I I didn't really understand what Pedro was doing on the other side. <laughs> because he was so dominant on the left you know it was it was pretty spectacular so i'm i'm very impressed with him i think all of the negative things that we and i i'm gonna put me there last year said about him uh he is rectified and hopefully he found a manager who just knows how to to tweak the message enough so that he can get the most out of hazard because again if dan's right if if this is the guy it's a special dude. I mean, he is a special dude with, uh, you know, there, you look at, uh, his, there was one run and he literally attracted both holding midfielders left back and both center backs over to him to defend him because he's that lethal in open space. I mean, that's all you need to say about him. 
Goal.com had some strong words to describe Hazard after his brace today. Quote, Eden Hazard proved himself to be the Premier League's most decisive player with the double to edge Chelsea closer to the title and kill off Manchester City's hopes in the process. End quote. Uh, as the stats go for this Belgian wonder kid, two goals, four shots, three of those on target. He also had three key passes and had over 82% pass accuracy. So as we can tell, uh, Eden is in fine form right now, really looking bright. He started the game strong against Palace in the sense that he wanted to dribble at people. Got kicked out of the game a little bit, but today I thought he was consistent all the way till the end. Uh, Definitely was our only form of offense going forward. So uh, as it stands... um, I think that Hazard is definitely going to be crucial to Chelsea's uh, title run. True or false, the Chelsea players are coasting more than usual because they think they've already won the title, Dan. I I, I think that's false. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily they're coasting. I mean, look, this is this is a team that we played against today that that has um, as good as, if not a better, starting eleven than we do in, in a couple of key categories. And I'm not gonna say across the board because I think their defense is really something to to marvel at, um, and not in the good way. But I, I think. They're not coasting. I, I think we play tough opponents. I think every game is, is challenging and difficult. And I think that this team is very much aware of what it means to score a goal and get these victories when you see them celebrate and you see the way, you know, Conte, you know, riles up the fans um, as it gets close to the end of a match. I, I don't think they're coasting. I think they're taking it all in stride and, and they're really enjoying something extremely, extremely special because I think that's what we should be doing as fans is enjoying something that really shouldn't have happened to us. You know, back in you know June, July, August, it was about how City and United were going to take the league, and how it was Mourinho and, and Pep, and you know as we were there in you know Minneapolis, and you got to hear you know members of the club talking about how you know we were just hoping that we can do our business on the side and, and get something started, and that thing turned into an impressive title run. If it wasn't Leicester that did it last year, this probably would have been the most impressive title run you know in the past decade. Yeah, that's not a bad shot, actually. Nick, what about you? I mean, I bring it up because a lot of people on Twitter think that Chelsea are just sandbagging it and they should be playing way better than they have. I mean, I think I think Chelsea can play better than they're playing right now. Um, no doubt about it. I think today is a really weird game to get frustrated about performance by as they beat Manchester City at home and secured their seven point lead in the so I, I if you're angry about the result today I, I don't really know what to tell you uh you know I, I don't know if I'm gonna make you feel better or if I'm gonna make you feel worse They're a little tough love for me on this if you're angry about a win man do do something else figure out another team to watch because Chelsea have won a lot this year you're gonna be really angry if if that's your strategy I mean City is again I think the most talented squad in the Premier League hands down Uh, and yes they had a lot of the ball today yes it wasn't pretty yes Chelsea bungled a couple of counterattacks yes Chelsea won the match yes Chelsea are closer to the title and yes I think for me I think Chelsea will win the title so man I channel your energy somewhere else (laughs) 
Sorry. Like, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you at that point. I'd agree that it is false as well. Uh, I just think that it's a long season. It's tough. You know, I don't think anyone expects Chelsea to show up even at home against Man City and play them off the park. You know, it's a title rival. They're a really, really good squad of players. They don't really play as a group, thankfully for us. They play as individuals. Uh, But that being said, like, you know, Crystal Palace, you can be upset about a little bit. But this one, like, you take the three points and I am running to the bank because that is all that matters in these matches. So with that being said, guys, any other thoughts uh, that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you would like to throw into the Man City review? I think I think our, our fans wanted us to talk about maybe one Gary Cahill, Brandon. Hmm? Well, let's go ahead and pump the brakes, hmm. I guess, you know. Hmm. Before we get into that, we did have a comment from Reed on Facebook saying that this was an ugly win after a bad result on Saturday. Is that a negative or is that a ch- is that what champions do? Did Chelsea adjust their plan to find a way to win or did we play poorly and just hang on? You know, I think that, again, these are the questions fans are asking of this team. And I hope at the end of the season they're going to say, look, this is what champions do. It's not pretty, Dan, but it's three points. Yeah, I think when you have injuries, that throws everything out the window. You know, if we were having Victor Moses start this game and we had a similar result, we could have said, man, you know, points, they maybe played a little, a little rough. It wasn't as pretty as we're used to. But, you know, I think if you want to watch you know, pretty football, you go root for Arsenal and you enjoy fourth place and get to decide if you're in the winger out or winger in camp. Uh, you, if you want to watch a team that wins, you watch Chelsea. And sometimes that means you win ugly and sometimes it means you win pretty. And ultimately, that that's the thing the champions do is they win. And you know what? Anyway, you slice it, I'll take three points and a win every day. If it's ugly, it's fine. If it's pretty, that's a bonus. Think about our two matches against City this year. We, we come out 5-2 on aggregate, right? And I would say both of those matches were extremely ugly. Like they were knockout, drag out fights, but we won. We, we had five goals to their two, you know, and I, at the end of the day, we, we decisively beat the most talented squad in the Premier League. We just defeat one of the best coaches in the world twice, something that's never happened to him in a league season. And somehow that's a negative. Th- I, look, I what what do you if we would have won eight nil today? Would we would we have had complaints? And I will tell you on Twitter, yes, we would have had complaints. Why didn't Ake start? You know, I, come on, guys. Like our our fans, our fans on our podcast don't do that. But man, there are some Twitter trolls out there who just cannot enjoy it. They can't enjoy this process. So let's go ahead and get back to the positive, happy stuff with our man of the match poll. So uh, I actually ran Twitter today for the most part, and. Um, it went pretty well, I thought. I thought we had some good engagements out there. So thank you to all of you guys for chatting me up. Um, okay, so my tweet was probably <laughs> not a hard decision for you all, but here it goes. Who is your man of the match tonight? Honestly, there's only one option tonight. Okay, it was Eden Hazard, 82%. Yes, I put in Pedro, and I think a lot of people supported that. I put in Fabregas. You know, I th- it, whatever. And, and then I'm getting slated for David Louise. Like Cahill, they're saying Captain Cahill all the way. And all I, all I want to point out to you guys is, A, sure, 
I'll give you that. But it didn't matter. Because everyone that tweeted me Cahill, I said, did you have Cahill over Hazard? And no one said yes. And that's my point. Nick, I feel your pain. Everyone who voted, I'm sorry, but it didn't (laughs) matter who was option one, two, and four. I will point out, though, that Conte deservedly was not in this. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, So this is the edition of man of the match poll where Brandon gets to be put on the, on the hot coals for just a hot second. And I'll tell you that in a, in a match like this, where Chelsea has 40% of the ball at home, like there usually won't be that many options. Uh, I thought David Luiz played a pretty okay game, especially got into it at the end, but Cahill was immense today. And I think we have to give him props on the show. He was immense. Yeah, 17 shots, seven on target. You know, there was a lot of movement in the back there, and Cahill did a very nice job. Uh, I actually think on Aguero a couple times too, which was really just just a joy to see um, some of that. That was quite fantastic. Well, all I'd like to say to all of you, including Nick and Dan, who are slating me about <laughs> David Luiz, is that Squawka agrees with me, okay? They put a whole section in on how David Luiz was immense today because he wiped up every one of their crosses and pat. Anyways, guys, it's on their website. I'll tweet it out, I promise. But let's go ahead and get to the good stuff. As we talked about, happy vibes here. The Premier League table as it stands, Dan, Chelsea are in first plus seven points, as we know, in front of Tottenham, then Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, and a sixth place tweeted, welcome back, Man United. Aww. Yeah, it's it's uh you know they they it's the love affair of the season you know it, it really Kevin De Bruyne would work Manchester United in sixth place uh, you know uh, plane uh, operators with banners and Arsenal fans <laughs> yeah there's really just a, a whole lot of love stories going on but uh, our love affair with first continues and it's uh, it's been quite special Arsenal fan TV and money you know all those things just it's a big <laughs> it's a big loving relationship. You, you guys yeah, I see that they caused like they had a fight. Yeah, this weekend it was like serious too. I mean, it, super funny. You know, that's what you get when you when you poke the hornet's nest week in week out. You're gonna get a reaction. So I'm not yeah. surprised. If, um, you're, if you're built on controversy and then some controversy comes your way, like <laughs> yeah. come on, man. You know. All right. Hey, Nick, after the match, Conte said we need to assume Tottenham will win 100% of their remaining matches. So he said Chelsea's goal is 18 points. We need six more victories. Well, that'd be the easiest way to get there. So do you see six wins in our remaining fixtures? We obviously have Bournemouth away coming up, United away coming up, Tottenham at home. Southampton at home. Sorry, Tottenham's FA Cup. So let me skip that. So Bournemouth away, United away. Southampton at home, Everton away, Middlesbrough at home, West Brom away, Sunderland at home. Uh, it, look, I mean, it's stupid to project because you don't know injuries and stuff like that. But if I were to do my best guess, this is what I got. Uh, I think we will beat Bournemouth. I think we will draw Man United because they love drawing, as Dan put out this week on his on his jersey. I'll let him get to that in a second. I think we will beat Southampton. I think we will maybe draw Everton. I don't know. They're weird. Uh, we're going to be at the Middlesbrough match, so of course we're going to win that. 
And then the last two. Uh, it's jinx now. It's so jinx. Yeah. <laughs> no. Everyone, knock no. on wood. Come on. Where's De Bruyne when you need him? <laughs> uh, that was good. I like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think got we got. It. Yeah, I, I don't know. Dan, what do you think? We have we have wins in this. Yeah, I, I definitely see. You know, you look at the home games, and you know we've been a bit of a fortress there. Um, home games to me are minimum one, maximum three. Uh, you know, I actually think we will go and beat United. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a bit of a vengeance game, and I think uh, we're going to make them look really, really bad. Um, and you know, Bournemouth, you know, did come back against a, a Mane-less Liverpool today for a bit of a draw. So you know, not not necessarily an easy fixture. I think Everton could be a little dangerous, but uh, you know, I think you know, I'm not necessarily worried about the Middlesbrough, West Brom, Sunderland piece. I just really hope by that point uh, we we kind of have solidified it, and a couple of the young players can get a bit of a run out because uh, every game that we go that we don't, cla- you know collapse this down and make it really kind of just a hundred percent confirmed, uh, is, you know, 90, uh, 180, you know, plus minutes that, you know, someone like a Chaloba and Ake, uh, Ruben Loftus cheek would really benefit from heading into the end of the season that they might not get. So I think it's twofold. I think it's not only just getting the title taken care of, but I think it's uh, incumbent upon Conte and the senior veteran players to lock this down so those young players can really get to be a part of this this kind of incredible run. I, th- I think it too, really quick, I think Spurs probably won't lose the rest of the season the way they're playing now. I mean, if they can come back from 1-0 down to win 3-1 in eight minutes at the end of the game, I mean... You just have to. I think Antonio Conte is 100% right. Even though Spurs have a generally losing mentality, and we'll, we'll probably see that in the FA Cup, uh, I think you look at them. They're a strong team. Even without Harry Kane, they're figuring out a way to, to score goals. Like you have to just keep winning, and it doesn't matter because you've you've done enough throughout the season to to make the math work. Yeah, young players like John Terry really hope he gets the run out he deserves. But go <laughs> ahead, we're gonna wrap this. I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to take our first a quick promo break. Quick message from World Soccer Shop, and then we're going to hit your questions from social media, and there are a ton. Here we go. Dan, uh, if you were looking for some high-quality Instagram images uh, from, let's say, a partner of ours, where would you go? I believe I would head over to uh, Instagram and go to the, the World Soccer Shop Instagram account. You know, they got uh, at World Soccer Shop and they not only got really cool photos of like kits and stuff, which is going to be really cool because obviously a Nike kit coming out for Chelsea soon. So that will be there. They'll probably have some of the first photos of that, I'm sure. Uh, but then they also have the the boots and yeah, the players are wearing. So you can kind of see you know how they would look on your foot. You know, so if you browse the website, you're like, I don't know how that's going to look. They have plenty of those photos there too. So, you know, I, I think that would be a value to a lot of people. Yeah, they have some sick lifestyle photography if you're into that kind of thing as well. I mean, they're they're generally just a good follow. So go to Instagram, follow World Soccer Shop on Instagram, and uh, and yeah, support our show by doing that right now. All right, here we go. Social media questions. First one 
coming from our email. Question is, what is going on with Modic? He was awful on two defensive headers, passed up a chance to shoot outside the box, and doesn't look like himself anymore. He just quit on the final header, allowing Stones a free run, which is inexcusable thoughts. Well, if that isn't the most open-ended question, Whoa. Nick. Um, <laughs> wow. So, dude only played 45 minutes. Let me remind you. Was that a question or was that a statement? <laughs> Lots of statements. I, uh, um, I, you know, I can't really defend him today. He, he looked okay. He helped shore up the defense a little bit, but uh, he's he's really in there for the for the big body and I think he did kind of let us down on a couple of set pieces I won't lie about that I mean he's 6-2 plus he should be able to beat John Stones to a header you know there's no doubt in my mind about that so hopefully he gets it back together I think he's he's looked oddly good and oddly bad in just certain situations and part of that is just the way he's he's long and gangly and doesn't always look the most athletic kind of like Marcus Alonso but uh, I, I do. I know he has a good left foot and I hope he starts shooting from outside the box because teams are giving him space there. And, you know, if he cashes a, a couple of those in, then they'll have to come up and defend him, which opens up the box for everybody else. So shoot. I almost wonder if we built a starting 11 of like awkward athletic um, players, how many would come from Chelsea? <laughs> Zuma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zuma. Sako from Crystal Palace for sure. Peter Crouch would probably be up there as the oh, striker for it. Definitely, definitely Crouch. That's that'd a be good some one. fun. That'd be a fun side project to do one day. Awkward eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tweet, second second question no, up. <laughs> really quick, tweet us your awkward eleven. That is actually brilliant. We should post these. Awkward athlete eleven. All right, you guys heard it. Second question is from Nevarp on Facebook. He, We already talked about this a little bit, but he says, uh, it was a nice win today. I know Courtois has done a lot, but a mistake is a mistake where every game is important. What do you think of Tebow's mistake today? I mean, Dan, I'm going to give you about seven words to touch on this. Is Nick <laughs> already <laughs> got his say in on this. I can't take another round. Yeah, yeah, he made a mistake, but then he came back and, and made some crucial saves. You know, I think the the one where he a perfectly timed that run out to collapse on Sané and really knock that uh, ball out of play was was quite fantastic. So, I mean, for every one you know crazy goal that he lets in from a, a lapse of judgment, you know, there's plenty of goals that he prevents from being scored. So, I mean. Yeah, it sucks. It was a bad, a bad decision. Uh, there's still needs to maybe some work on distribution that needs to be done, but ultimately, like you know, he he comes up more than he he concedes stuff like that. On a serious note, uh, David Luiz, after he gave that up, uh, David Luiz went straight over to him and like pumped him up and was like, "Get back in the game. Get back in the game right now." That to me is a leader, and I think it really helped Courtois not to be so down on himself because I'm sure he was not happy with that. But I, I was thrilled to see David Luiz just go and like pump him back up because obviously he's one of the most important players we have. You know, I was being a little facetious earlier just to get Brandon some shit for being a goalkeeper. But I mean, it, David Luiz was great in that situation. Dan, seven words. Nick, you weren't invited. Uh, <laughs> next question from 
at just it. What position did Aspilicueta play better in today, Nick? I actually think wingback. We scored our two goals when he was wingback, and I think largely we're defending in the second half. So, uh, you know, why not? Do you think part of it's just because you're used to seeing him play right center back? So it's kind of like, yeah, that's what he does every week. He went out of his comfort zone a little bit and played wingback today. Yeah, but I also think it was partly because Zuma didn't look that bad to me. Like, I know people were like, oh, he got subbed at halftime. He must have been shit. Uh, no, I, I just think that, you know, Aspilicueta in the position coming off of a loss played a really good game. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it was it was really the right center back role, though, because I think when you look at what he had to do from a standpoint of snuffing out the attack, especially, you know, you know, Sané is a really, really fast dude, and he didn't own a ton of the responsibility of it when Zuma was out there. Uh, but he did a really nice job, especially in the second half when City were pretty much all attack. So I think he did a really nice job and helping to to shore up the side there. Um, I I do think Zuma was a touch rusty, understandably so. All right, next question up from at Mr. Chelsea Blue says, Zuma question mark thoughts on today's performance, Dan? Uh, Good, good. You know, I I think the thing that I'm still wondering to see is if it, you know, and obviously with more time and more training and and more, you know, work under Conte, uh, can he become more comfortable with forward passes and not kind of playing into the back into to Courtois, which you know, I think if we're going to become a team that you know continues to break very quickly, uh, that's a piece of his game that still needs some some work. But uh, you know, I think overall he he looked his pace looked much better than the one or two times we've had a chance to see him so far this season. I thought he looked like he was definitely with the speed of a game a little bit more. At Scott Wildcat asks, should someone else start taking PKs, Nick? Uh, We were talking about this a little bit on Twitter with him, and I was like, hey, can you go back, find some numbers for me? And it turns out that in the last two years, he's about 60% conversion. I think you said four for six, so we're right in that ballpark. Is that good enough? No. Um, but if you were to ask me who should take penalties besides Hazard, I mean, Oscar's gone. And I think Oscar would have been the first choice that came to mind because he did it for a while. Sesk, I mean, I, Pedro, maybe, maybe Sask. Pedro's a good shout, actually. That, that's not bad. But I mean, as a striker of the ball, and you know, I don't know. Let's you see. could put, put Cahill up there. You could put uh, Luis up there. Um, Luis. Oh, man. If, if it Alonso. happens against United, do you put Conte up there? You know, it, it's really <laughs> just about, yeah, a lot of it, I think, to me, is situational in that scenario. Courtois blasted yeah. one in preseason last year. You blast him all the time in practice, too. He posts those videos, and you're like, damn, that dude loves to score a goal. Why <laughs> did he decide to be a goalkeeper other than just being freakishly tall? N'Golo Conte would need to have someone stand in front of the penalty kick so he could tackle the ball into the net. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the son for making the uh, N'Golo Conte tackles everything, intercepts everything video on Twitter. Check it out. That was solid. All right. At MF Partridge asks, uh, what are your thoughts on William as a wingback next year? Well, Nick, he asked you. So what do you think? I think with a off season of training, I think he could be lethal. I mean, yeah, I I really do. I, not that he is better than Moses, obviously not right now in that role, but 
I mean, just from a pure talent standpoint, if he could develop into someone that's reliable, you know, for Champions League matches, so Moses could play Premier League and FA Cup matches. I mean, holy hell, that's a that's an asset worth uh, developing. And you know, I just don't think he's clinical enough up front to deserve that place over Pedro in the in the three four three. So let's utilize the the players that we have in, in the best way possible. I think with a with a really good offseason training regimen, he could be lethal. Well, playing right off this at M. Killian FSU asks, is depth needed more at center back or wing back? And Dan kind of answers this question for himself. He says, lots of players at center back next year with Zuma, Christensen, Louise, Cahill, Ospie, etc., uh, Moses' injury equals lack of depth. <laughs> so while he answered his own question, where do we go in the wingback position with William, or do you think outside signings will be coming in? Uh, first off, I, I hope that last bit of his Twitter handles uh, call out to the uh, the Seminoles. Uh, that's, a, that's a war chant action right there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think you're going to see Christensen come back in. He's going to compete for a spot. You're going to see Zuma. You know, I mean, you ultimately need you know five to six to seven you know center backs, especially if we're going to be playing um, you know deep into the Champions League next year, deep into the Premier League, deep into the FA Cup and the EFL Cup. So you're you're talking you know what probably fifty five to sixty plus matches next season of competitive football. Like you can't you're not going to be especially even with a back three, you're not going to be able to run on that same rotation game in and game out. I think same with the the wing back. I think is actually the more challenging one to to plug for. You know, you look at people looking for well, who's going to come in and replace Alonzo. You know, Nathan Aki's trying, but you know, Alonzo has, has put his stamp on that position on one side. And you know, if you're going to come in to replace Victor Moses, you know, there's not a long list of people that are tailor made to play that role. You know, not many teams play with you know at least in you know England play with a, a wing back. So ultimately, you have to go either develop that player you have to help move a player from one position to another based upon their skill set or you have to go out and splash some cash to acquire one and i think if we if we do it'd be a right wing back versus a left wing back i think ake still provides kind of the depth piece there uh but it's gonna be challenging like i ultimately think it's it's gonna be really interesting to see who we target who gets promoted uh but it's gonna make it for a fun off season that's for sure all right well at bc wharton real Real good question this week. Uh, what Loney could you see having a big impact on the team next season? He's in heat up Triore at right wing. Nick, a lot of people think Christensen is the easy one to go, but do you see maybe an outsider coming in, kind of like a Triore? Oh, I like that shout. I know that Dan likes that shout, um, being being team uh, Bertrand on that, but. Uh, I will tell you, I've I've advanced a season in FIFA, and I brought Birdie back, and I've played him there, and he is excellent on you know in kind of the Pedro <laughs> role. So, based off my FIFA playing skills, which are awful, um, I would uh, I'd probably look at uh, either either Christensen, uh, you know, Birdie's a good shout, or you know, kind of a wild card, which would be Tammy. I think. Uh, Tammy's impressed enough people and I think he's impressed Antonio Conte uh, you know if if Tammy wasn't at Bristol City right is he at Bristol City or Bristol Rovers City Bristol City yeah whatever okay 
if he wasn't there, they would be relegated. They might still get relegated, but without his goals, they would definitely be relegated. So I, I don't know. Maybe Tammy is my pick. Uh, I, I love the the call out for Traore, right? But dude is not the best right winger in the world. And I think if you're talking about displacing Pedro, or if you believe the rumors, displacing like a Sanchez, um, you know, that is going to be pretty difficult to do. I think Christensen is probably the best shout still. Um, I love the Tammy one um, because he would be interested to see him continue to level up behind a Diego, behind a whoever kind of replaces uh, Mishi because my hot take right now is he probably is not on our starting 11 or in our 20 plus man squad next season. Um, Pretty yeah, hot I don't take know. There, That's Dan. a tough one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and I, as the founder of the Minutes for Mishi campaign, I, uh, you know, it uh, it hurts me to say, as a founder of like the you know, or one of the co-founders of the the Birdie Train, um, also hurts me to say. Uh, I just yeah, when you are competing for the Premier League and the Champions League, you unfortunately cannot take as many gambles on youth players, uh, at least from this perspective. Um, Especially in the Premier League, um, you know, I think you look at teams like Bayern Munich, like Real Madrid, Barcelona. You know, they can gamble a little bit more with some of these youth players and talents because ultimately, like they lock up their leagues, you know, very early in their season, and they don't have many big games to kind of you know goof around with. So they can put three, four different players in their lineup, and you know, ultimately, you look at. You know, saying if we had scored, you know, or, or not won two or three more games up to this point because we have given three or four more youth players 90 minutes, um, we would potentially be, you know, level or uh, trailing Spurs. And I don't think anyone would have wanted that. And so it's all a matter of making the choices. And the tough choice is sometimes that, you know, these great talented youth players are not going to get a ton of minutes and it's going to be very difficult to displace a, a finished product or a highly acquired, uh, AKA cost, uh, it costed individual. All right. Last question. And it is just going to be a yes or no Andrew Wilbanks asked on Facebook, do you think Diego Costa will be at Chelsea next season? I will kick it off. And the way it's going, I'm actually going to say no. Quick note, I hope he is as long as he is committed to the team. Dan. Uh, I'm going to say yes. You know, I, I think that this is a funk. I think ultimately, you know, if we win the league and he can kind of start to turn his form around, I think there's an opportunity at the end of the season to negotiate um the compensation but uh i I think he stays nick yes no uh i go i waffle on this to be honest with you like how do you feel today i don't feel great today um but at the end of the day chelsea don't have to sell him (laughs) you know like his agent can pull whatever he wants and diego can be as bad diego as he wants to be the club don't have to sell him at all and if they don't find a better option for a reasonable ish price, and I say reasonable in air quotes, obviously, the club won't sell him and either he'll sit on the bench or he'll get his ass in there and play. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I, I look at Lukaku and and that's like the most rumored forward outside of Alexis Sanchez that you kind of see linked to Chelsea. And I don't look at Lukaku the same way I look at Diego. I think Diego's a much better finished product right now. Lukaku has all the potential in the world to be a, a 
terror, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really, I truly waffle on this, Andrew. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, this is a good one for you to tweet, email, or Facebook us at whether or not Costa will stay. Last promo break, and then we are going to quickly look ahead to Bournemouth. Here we go. Hey, Dan, I really, really like the uh, the third kit, the white kit this year. I think that, you know, of all of the of all the kits we have, it's probably the cleanest. And my, my question is, if you wear it, do your guns look as big as Cahill's do? Uh, I, you know, Cahill, what's funny about Cahill, I'm going to not do that right now, but uh, no, they don't. Cahill is, uh, is, is pretty yoked, but yeah. the, the kit looks cool. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you can pick them up right now uh, under $45, forty four ninety nine, dollars uh, on worldsoccershop.com. Great way to support the podcast and uh, get one of the last Adidas versions of the kits for apparently at least a decade. Use our referral link. Do that. All right, Chelsea fans, really, really quick here. We are going to hit, you know, on the Bournemouth match. That is Chelsea's next match coming up. Not a lot of time, just like there wasn't a lot of time for the City match. It'll be in the Premier League, heading to the Vitality Stadium. It'll be this coming Saturday, April 8th, and we do have the late kickoff. Chelsea head-to-head, we've played three, we've won two, we've only won once away, but not a lot of history because Bournemouth haven't spent a lot of time in the top flight in recent past. Uh, earlier this season, Dan, you may remember Chelsea cruising to that three nothing victory at home. Um, it was well, I mean, it, it was obviously very one sided. Yeah, and you know, you think about the Bournemouth we're going to play now, you know, a team that wants to, you know, make sure that they don't, you know, suffer any tough damage. They want to, you know, stay up for another season and, you know, they've put together a couple of draws against, uh, you know, some good opponents, you know. They they drew against Man United, but who who knows if that was more United's fault or or Bournemouth's. Uh they had a chance they they beat Swansea at home to nothing. You know, they had a chance to draw against Southampton. They they came back to draw against Liverpool in this last match, game week 31. You know, ultimately, uh, not a bad side. And, you know, credit to Eddie Howe and his team. You know, they, they do put together a good product. They play, uh, you know, a nice game of football. And ultimately, you know, they've, they've got a couple players that, you know, we're going to keep our eyes out for. I mean, King always seems to pop up with a goal when he's needed. He did it today. And uh, he'd be the one I would be kind of keeping an eye on. Nick, if you look at the form guide, and if I say this in a certain way, Bournemouth have a better (laughs) form than Chelsea. Bournemouth are undefeated in their last five, where Chelsea have a loss. Now, breaking that down, Bournemouth are two wins, three draws. Chelsea are sitting at four wins, one loss. You tell me which you'd rather have. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a little undefeated, like Manchester United are undefeated. (laughs) Like, you know, it's, it's mostly draws with a couple of wins sprinkled in, uh, a la, uh, Salt Bay. So, um, I, I'm looking at this, I, I am impressed by Bournemouth. I mean, they were really struggling, uh, as, as the new year kind of started, uh, they're, they're kind of back. The Vitality Stadium is a small venue, but small, but mighty. And, uh, Whereas, whereas Dan might look at Josh King as as a, a major player, I'm looking at Harry Arter. I think that he is pretty phenomenal. Uh, you know, obviously has 
a bunch of passes. I mean, he kind of plays that central midfield role for them. So uh, he's someone to look out for. Uh, if I had to guess, I would guess that in this match, there might be a little bit of squad rotation uh, for our boys. Um, you know, maybe Matic gets a full start. Uh, maybe Sass goes to the bench. Uh, maybe we see Zuma and, and Aspie again uh, just to, to kind of switch it up a little bit. Maybe we see Ake. Who knows? Uh, I, th- I think the, you know, the three games in nine days is a little rough for any team thankfully um i think that bournemouth are in a safe position in the table they can't really go anywhere else and that helps us we obviously faced a crystal palace who were fighting off relegation and we know at the end of the season when teams have their backs against the wall those are the more dangerous ones bournemouth you know they're happy where they're at you get an early goal i think that might settle it i think they might be fine with just you know kind of cruising throughout the match i don't know though at the same time with the young manager always looking to get points and see where they can go it's going to be pretty interesting and i i just hope that uh, chelsea can hold everything down uh i don't (laughs) I only think Conte is going to rotate Nick if he absolutely has to. Obviously, a lot of that's going to come down to Moses, right? Is Moses in or not? You know, Bournemouth, 13th place right now on 35 points. I I mean, maybe they are kind of sniffing the relegation zone since, you know, 30 points is holding at 17, 28. I think they'll be fine, though. So will they put up a big fight? I'm not so sure. Uh, Dan, if it's all said and done, if Chelsea go out and do the business, this should be straightforward, even though they're a way team. Uh, I think we can all agree that we would expect three points from this match. Right, Dan? Yeah, that's uh, that's one I would count on. Cool. All right. Uh, well, yeah. Really quick, I might yeah. even give William a shout for a wing back in this match since he hasn't really played a ton in the last two. So yeah, keep keep him fresh before the United match. Make sure that yep. he's kind of match ready heading into a game where you'll probably see him maybe earn a few more minutes. No, you guys are missing the most obvious rotation move, and that's to put Ake in to absolutely rub salt in the wound that we tore open in December. I mean, January, hey, really, the January window against United. We might rest Hazard if they're going to kick him again really quick. Just want to throw that out there like that would be ridiculous. You don't want to hurt him. It's true. We're going to need him. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with that. It's a bit of a long episode, but no shortage of, well, just great stuff to talk about. Mainly thanks to all of your questions on social media. So with that being said, gentlemen, let's go ahead and throw out our final thoughts to conclude this one. Nick, what do you have? My final thought is to uh, thank Chris Axon for the phenomenal photos over the last uh, over this entire season. We've been using his photos. He's been tremendous. Uh, he's a great photographer, great friend of the pod. Cannot wait to have a beer with him when we're in London to uh, to thank him for all of his uh, photo uh, skills. And if you uh, would be so kind, uh, go to c a x o n blog dot com and. Uh, and go follow his weekly write-ups. He's a he's a really good writer as well. Absolutely must follow. Dan, what about you? 
Yeah, you know, I want to obviously thank you for listening. It was a long podcast with us today. And, uh, you know, I think we always get excited to talk about the, the biggest matches. Um, you know, I, I would just, uh, you know, keep in mind that, uh, you know, we're going to be over in London pretty soon. And, you know, in addition to kind of doing some stuff, uh, trying to film some stuff, put together some content, go and take in the match. Uh, you know, we'd love to meet up with, you know, you know fans too and people who listen to the show uh, overseas. So, uh, you know, please, you know, tweet at us, uh, send us an email, drop us a, you know, a DM, shoot us a note on Instagram, you know, just let us know. I mean, we'd love to kind of start to maybe think about, do we organize something together as a little kind of meetup action? And, you know, the more information that we can kind of get now, the better we can kind of put the plan together and uh, make sure we have a smashing time when we get over there. We are so looking forward to that. Uh, I would just like to wrap it up with saying I am absolutely amused by how Antonio Conte manages to always squeak in that third substitution every single match. Honestly, it's nuts. Go back and look at it. (laughs) Didn't think he was going to get in today, but he did. Ruben, deep into stoppage time. Got it. Got it done. It's crazy. But anyways, Chelsea fans, we've gone on for far too long. Thank you for listening on this midweek episode. As you know, we will be back after Bournemouth on Saturday. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.